working this year on living by the book. If you're visiting with us, we have a theme at Northside each year and try to base a number of sermon series around that theme. Our theme this year is living by the book because we believe this book is the actual Word of God, written by the Spirit of God, and it contains infallible, perfect instruction for our life and for future life. So we want to live by the book. This series that we're working on now I call Kingdom Living by the Book. Uh, We've talked about living eternally and some other things, but let's talk about kingdom living for a few weeks here. And we're actually going through the Sermon on the Mount, hitting some of the high points of it. And hopefully we'll get a little different perspective of that great sermon than we have before. uh, Because in it, Jesus is talking about kingdom living and kingdom righteousness. Uh, We started this series in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, was kind of our overall key verse, where Jesus said, that's what we're supposed to do. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And remember the setting for the sermon and all the things we talked about and the people that were there and how this was groundbreaking uh, uh, new stuff. Jesus said, you got to seek the kingdom. You got to seek my righteousness. And then he went on with the sermon and showed us over and over how different that is from all of the Pharisees and other folks that were there that thought they knew what pleasing God was all about. Uh, our, our first lesson was kind of based around the concept that the king was explaining his kingdom. And when we got through with that, I think it was a little different view of the kingdom than some of us perhaps have. And since then, we've been talking about the righteousness part that we're supposed to be seeking. Uh, Last time we were together, we talked about Matthew 5.20, which is a real problem verse, because Jesus talked about the Pharisees, and they were the models of righteousness in those days. Uh, They were the ones that everybody looked up to or looked at and said, uh, they're really holy guys. And so Jesus told the crowd in explaining his kingdom and explaining righteousness, he said, I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now that's serious business. Unless your righteousness surpasses those, and we noted that probably a lot of folks thought, then there's no hope, you know, no way uh, to act better than those guys do. Well, he wasn't talking about doing more of what they did. He was talking about a difference. It wasn't about the quantity, it was about the quality of it. And he said the surpassing part is that We do righteousness, the kingdom living, is righteousness from the inside out. Pharisees were all about the outside, all about the look, all about being seen, we'll find today. And Jesus said, no, it's about inside out. We said the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. That's what Jesus was trying to tell them. And today I think we'll illustrate that even more perhaps. He said, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees. Now, today, Jesus expanded on what he meant. And we jump to 6, chapter 6. After he had told them, your righteousness has got to surpass theirs, 
Listen to what he said in 6. 1. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. Now, there's another serious verse. Oh, that's a pretty intense statement. No reward. And I think we have to keep reminding ourselves what's happening here. The king is explaining his kingdom and the kingdom righteousness. And so in this, we're finding some very specific rules for kingdom living. We want to do kingdom living by the book. Here's where we come. Today's lesson is called Show and Tell Religion. The Pharisees, remember those folks, the Pharisees knew Every law. Now, they had counted them. They had lists of them. They, they knew every law in the Old Testament. They took them literally. You know, Jesus said, bind my word on your, your forehead. He meant put my word in your head. Well, they put a little box on their forehead and put scriptures in there. Yeah, they, they took it literally. They knew the laws. They took them literally. They carried them out. They were um, super righteous. They, they worked out every possibility of every law and how you could possibly break it. And they loved to watch everybody else and see how they did. That's how these guys operated. That's why I called it show and tell. They loved to show that they were super righteous, and they loved to tell you when you weren't. That's what religion was to them. All of these outward things. It wasn't an inside-out deal. It wasn't a matter of the heart. It was a matter of what you could see. So they loved to show off their religiosity, their righteousness, and tell everybody else where they were wrong. Okay. So that's what we've got today, show and tell religion. And the way Jesus explained it, he talked about three things. His first example was about giving. Now, you need your pencils or your pens or your highlighters here. I'm going to have you underline some stuff. I put the text on your handout, and I want you to see some things in it. Starting there about the part about giving, he said, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Underline that, honored by others. Okay. Now, he pictures the Pharisees giving and announcing it with trumpets. I did some research. I couldn't find any literal examples of that. I think it was uh, an illustration. I don't think they literally had people blow trumpets when they were coming to give, but we get the sense of it. In fact, we say the same thing today. What do we say? Don't blow your own horn. You know, don't toot your own horn. Well, that's what the Pharisees did. They made a big show of it and they let everybody see what they were giving, I'm sure. In fact, remember the one Pharisee he told what he was giving. He said, I don't give just a tenth of my normal income. He said, I'm so righteous. I go out in the garden and I count out the garden seeds off the herbs that I grow. That's how righteous I am. 
And he told everybody that. Okay. Then Jesus said, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Underline that reward in full. Then Jesus said, but when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your giving may be in secret. Underline in secret. You'll be busy for just a little while here and then we'll see what it all comes together. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Underline will reward you. Okay, here's the giving example. You got it now? It's between the hypocrites, the Pharisees, and you. Okay, What they do is to be honored by men and they get their reward. That's all they get. Remember where he started? You get nothing from the Father if you're just giving to be seen. So they've got their reward. They want to be seen by men, they got it. But you do it in secret, and he, he, the opposite of blowing the trumpets and letting everybody know what you're giving is do it so secretly that your left hand doesn't even know what your right hand's doing. Okay? And you want to talk about Pharisees. There's some modern-day Pharisees that take that literally. There are churches that put a cloth over the collection plate. So you slip your right hand in there, and your left hand can't even see. Now, my left hand really doesn't pay much attention when my right hand's putting the check in. But, and Jesus wasn't talking about that. Obviously, my, my left hand knows in the sense that my brain communicates to it. It probably knows what went in with the right hand. Jesus doesn't mean that, but it's the contrast of so open, so public, and secret. He did the giving thing. Then he discussed praying. Now, bear in mind, he called these acts of righteousness. Some translations just say, don't do your righteousness. King James says that when you give alms and just kind of wraps it all into that. Now, Jesus was talking about acts of righteousness. So when he discussed praying, he said, and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Underline that, seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward in full. Underline reward in full again. You'll see the pattern here pretty soon. Okay. Now, what did the Pharisees do? The praying's a good thing, but the Pharisees had categorized it into you had to pray three times a day. Certain times a day you had to pray. And they had 18 standard benedictions that they went through when they prayed. And then on top of that, they had a prayer for everything. Anything that happened, they had a prayer for it. You got new furniture in your house, they had a prayer for you. So they, they did this all the time. But the three times a day, they love to be seen. And the way I envision it is the Pharisees, wherever they were, they'd kind of plan ahead. That's almost prayer time. Let's see. I, I need to get to Maine and Douglas where there's a big crowd, where, where the most people are. And then at that time, I can say, oh, my, it's time for prayer. And stop in the middle of the street and pray my 18 benedictions and let everybody see me. 
And the next time when it's coming up, let's see, I wonder if I can get out to town west. If I, I can get in the food court, there'll be a lot of people in there. And I'll stop in the middle of it and I'll do my prayer. That's what the Pharisees did. So Jesus said, they pray, standing in the synagogues, on the street corners, to be seen by others. They've got their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Underline in secret, underline reward you. Now, some translations say go into your closet. Some people take it literally, think you're supposed to pray in the closet. You a big enough closet, I guess that's all right, but it, it, that's not what he meant. The, the, back then, most houses only had one room with a door, and that was the storeroom uh, where they kept things in there, and they had a door on that. And he just meant the opposite of being on the street corners where everybody can see you, go somewhere where the people can't see you. So, so go into your room, close the door. Don't do it to be seen. Do it in secret. Your father knows what's going on in secret. So do it in secret and he'll reward you. Okay. Now, you'll notice I left out a part of the passage we're in. I left out the model prayer. The Lord's Prayer, we call it sometimes. It's between 7 and 15 and that's another topic for another time. Let's keep on with our illustrations. So he talked about... Giving, he talked about praying, and then third, he covered fasting. Listen to what he told him. When you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Underline to show others. Truly, I tell you, they've received what? Their reward in full. Underline that. Okay? Now here's what the hypocrites did. Bear in mind, it was part of the Pharisee thing. In the Old Testament, Jewish people were commanded to fast how many times a week? None. How many times a month? None. How many times a year? Once. Day of Atonement was a fast day. That was it. What the Pharisees had done is added all these other fasts and then did them to be seen of men. Now, how do you be seen of men fasting? <laughs> it's tricky. You can be seen of men eating. Uh, you can go to the restaurant and make sure people see you and all that. But if you're fasting... It's a little hard to be seen. So the way the Pharisees handled that was they looked like they made themselves appear like they had been fasting for a month. They had creaked around and disfigured their faces and <laughs> grabbed their growling stomachs. And if anybody asked, are you feeling all right? Oh, yes, I'm just fasting. <laughs> they, they looked bad on purpose. They made their faces somber. They disfigured their faces like they were dying of starvation. So everybody would know they were fasting. And they had their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious. Underline that. Not be obvious 
to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what's done in secret, underline that, will reward you, underline that. Okay, get the contrast? When you fast, and he doesn't tell them they got to do it every week like the Pharisees said or anything else, but when you fast, don't make it obvious. Comb your hair, wash your face, look like you're normal, and go out in public. Don't make a big deal out of it. And if you do it in secret, he will reward you. All right, let's summarize. You go back through your underlines, and what do you see? It's a contrast between the hypocrites and you. Every passage says, now the hypocrites do this, but when you do it, you do this. Hypocrites, you. You, the hypocrites. That's the contrast. What's the contrast? They do it to be seen, to be honored by men, to be recognized publicly. You do it secret. Public secret. To be seen, not to be seen. What's the other thing you see in there? They got their reward for being seen. You will be rewarded. Their reward comes from men. Yours is kingdom rewards. The Father, He knows what you're doing in secret. You'll get rewarded for it. Doesn't tell us what the rewards are, but we can deduce from that that giving is good, praying is good, fasting is good, there are rewards attached. There's nothing wrong with the giving and praying and fasting. It's a matter of the heart. If you do it from the outside, just so everybody will recognize it and see it and think you're righteous, then that's what you're after. That's what you get. And remember his opening statement. You'll get no reward from the Father. But if you do it in secret, not to be obvious, not to be seen by others, you do it in secret, you will be rewarded. Okay? We got the big picture. You you now understand that passage. I wonder, after reading that, how the crowd responded. You ever think about that? I mean, this was kind of radical teaching. This was new and different from anything they had heard. And I wonder how they reacted. I think about the Pharisees standing there listening to this. And I think, I wonder if they got mad. I wonder if they were perplexed. If they thought, is he talking about us? That sounds a little like some of the things, but he couldn't be. I, I wonder what he's talking about. I don't know. Maybe they did. Maybe the Pharisees were humbled. Maybe they heard that and thought, oh, he's talking about us. We got to straighten up. I don't think that's very likely, but I wonder. How about the rest of the crowd? How do you think they reacted? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He nailed those hypocrites. Oh, he came down on them, didn't he? You you know how they pray out in public and all that? Boy, he zinged them. You know how they act in the synagogue when they go give their gifts? Boy, he got on them, didn't he? 
Maybe people thought that. The ordinary people probably got it because they watched all that show and they thought, that's not righteousness. That's just show and tell religion. I don't know how they responded. And this may shock you, but it doesn't really matter today how the crowd responded. What matters is how we respond. I don't know what they did. But it doesn't matter because this is about kingdom living explained by the king to those of us in his kingdom. So how do we respond? 30 A.D. is an interesting story. But how about here? How about applying kingdom rules in 2013? That's all different now, isn't it? Huh. This makes us think now. See, it's so much fun to pick on the Pharisees. It's so easy to pick on the Pharisees. I mean, they're caricatures of self-righteous hypocrites. So it's fun to talk about them and show pictures of them and showing off and doing this and doing that to be seen. That's a whole lot of fun. But how do we live by this part of the book? That's what we're doing this year, living by the book. How do we live by this part of the book? We're in the greatest sermon ever. The king is giving us rules for kingdom living. What do we do with it? How do we respond to it? Now, Jesus just quit right there. He, he, he let people figure things out. And I considered that. You know, just, just stop right there and say, now you figure it out. Don't be like the hypocrites. Live kingdom living. Now, Jesus could do that because he didn't have to preach for 30 minutes. Okay? He could just quit and let everybody think about it for a while. In fact, the whole Sermon on the Mount, you can read it in way less than 30 minutes. But since we got a little extra time, I made a short list to help us think. Now, the giving, the praying, the fasting, you got that. And when we give and pray and fast, we know we're not supposed to blow trumpets. We know we're not supposed to draw a crowd when we pray. We know we're not supposed to brag about fasting and look horrible. We got that. So we won't do those things. But I made a list to help us maybe think a little bit. The first thing I put on the list is attending. Let me ask you this. Is it possible to attend worship to be seen by men? Is that possible? I mean, just in your wildest fantasies, could you imagine that? If you can imagine that, this passage, the first 18 verses of Matthew 6, apply today. And when you think about the application, it's scary. Because what did Jesus say? He said, if you do it to be seen of men... You've got your reward in full. Enjoy it, because that's all you're getting. If you don't do it to be seen of men, if you don't do it for that reason, you do it for the right heart reason, 
then he'll reward you. Teaching a class. Now, see, this is more serious because James 3.1 says that teachers will be judged more strictly. Why is that? Because it's harder to teach, harder to do anything public without being tempted to move toward this being seen of men. It's our fleshly nature. It's our human nature. We know we can pray, go into a closet and pray. We know we can study our Bible at home and we're not doing it to be seen of men. Now we can come report on it to be seen of men. We can say, I read the Bible five times every year. What do you think of that? And you might question your motives. Well, teaching a a situation when you're in front of people and it's natural to want to impress them some way, it's harder to be careful about that. Preaching a sermon, that's harder still. Because you got 700 instead of 10 or 20 or 70 or whatever's in a class. you got a whole lot of people. What's one of the big three? Satan's only got three. We've gone over that so many times. Lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, pride of life. And uh, I got a, we've gone over it so many times I forgot them. Uh, one of them, I know one of them is the pride of life. Okay, That's, that's a big one. Especially for anybody doing anything in public. The pride of life, it is natural to seek the applause of men. It's natural to want people to come tell you, that was really good. So when somebody's preaching, it's hard, I'm telling you. It's hard not to step over that line where I want to perform, I want to tell funny stories, I want to do all these things so that everybody enjoys it and thinks I'm wonderful and all of that. It's hard not to go that direction. Now, I'm not saying there's no place for personal stories or performance or drama or funny stories or something like that. There's hundreds of different styles of preachers. Some of them are funnier than others. Some of them tell more personal things. Some of them are better at storytelling. Some of them are better at expositing the word. All kinds of styles. But it's a matter of the heart. And I can't tell you that if you tell three jokes in a sermon, you're trying to draw the applause of men. I can't say that because there's so many different styles. But I can tell you this, when you get done hearing a sermon, if you think, the only thing you can think is, that was fun to listen to him. I'd like to hear him again. That was good. And the word didn't cut your heart any, there may be a problem. I'm not saying I got this figured out. I'm just wanting us to think about this. Because see, when you read Matthew 6, 1 through 18, It's serious business. It's if you're doing your acts of righteousness, if you're doing your kingdom stuff to be seen of men, that's all the reward you're going to get. 
leading public prayer. That's hard. Those of you that don't do that don't know how hard it is. It's natural, once again, to come up here and think, all right, I've got to say something that they sit there and say, well, that was cool. Man, I like the way he said that. That was well phrased. That's not your role. Your role is to lead the minds of the people before God. So you address the things that are on people's minds. You lead their thoughts. All prayers are different. There's a different purpose for an opening prayer and a prayer for the bread and a prayer to close the service and all of that. And I don't know how to tell anybody to do this. I'm just saying like Jesus, this is something we ought to think about. I will give this little guideline. I think when you're praying, men, there ought to be a whole lot more we than I. And I know you have to say some things. I bring this before you, something like that. But if your prayer's got a whole lot of I in it and not much we, are you leading the people? Leading songs. Bless you who are gifted with a singing voice. I'm not among you. You know, I know, I know, I know why I'm not. The reason he didn't give me a singing voice. We, we just talked about pride. If I had a singing voice, there would be too great a temptation to perform. I'd love to lead singing. I sit there sometimes and think, I know how I would do this. You know, I would speed this one up. You know, I would get them going on this. I would bring them into this. You know, I could lead worship. But do you realize how hard that would be if I had that gift to not step over the line to become a performer so that I would get some praise? This is hard stuff we're talking about. Not just about not blowing the trumpets. It's about things that we really do that Jesus told us in the kingdom. You've got to be careful about this. And, and once again, I can't quantify this. I can't tell you that a song leader has got to have only this much movement and only this much volume and only this much commentary and all that to be a good song. I can't do that. I can just tell you it's a dangerous thing to, to be in public. And do acts of righteousness, is what Jesus called them, in a public setting. Worship leaders are tempted to this. Places that have, places that have praise groups and things like that to lead singing and all that. There's a temptation there. And just for your information, the Bible doesn't say anything about one song leader. So it sure doesn't say anything about eight song leaders. It's no worse than one or no better than one. It's not a quantity thing. It's a matter of the heart. But I'll say this, when you put eight people up in front of everybody, there's eight times the temptation to cross over this line that Jesus is talking about. 
It's easy if you have a gift to want to draw attention to that gift. This is heart stuff we're talking about, not rules and regulations. Uh, presiding at communion, one of the most important times of our service, if not the most important time. And somebody sets the tone for that. Uh, they come up and talk a little bit and then lead a prayer and, and enter us into that time of communion. Their role is to focus our minds on what's happening. Now, let me tell you, this is personal. I know enough about public speaking that it is hard to use personal stories to lead us into what happened on the cross. There's a few people that can do it, but not many. There's an art to public speaking. And being personal at a time when you're trying to get people to focus on what Christ did for that's hard to do. And if you think that's hard to do, using humor to do it is harder. Now, I'm not saying somebody can't come up and lighten the mood a little bit or something. Some people can do that effectively. But when we're talking about what Jesus is talking about, that's real hard to do. Special needs giving, I put down. Special giving. We have special giving. We, have, we used to have a building fund. But we called, took money up to, we even charted it out on a thermometer so we could build this place. Some people made large donations. We take up a Know Your Bible collection every year. We take up a missions contribution every year. In the world, charities operate. You know how charities operate. What's at the back of their book always? The giving list. And they got the platinum level and the gold level and the silver level and the diamond level. And they put their names in there. And if you give enough money, we'll put your name on a building, dude, not just in the magazine. Why do they do that? Human nature. Human nature likes to be recognized. And I'm not saying you can't do that properly with the right heart and all that. I'm just saying it's hard. It's human nature. If I'm giving, I, man, if I give more, I would be seen of men a little more. Let me give you an example. There's a lot, we call them, I guess, scholarships around here. There are people that give money so somebody can go to family camp that can't afford it, so somebody can go to teen camp that can't afford it, and on and on. we got a number of things around here. And the people that run those things, Toby runs team camp and Craig runs family camp, and people come to them and give them money and say, here, help somebody or help somebody specifically go to camp or do this or that. That's a good thing. And I think 100% of the time around here, that's done anonymously. I think after just reading what Jesus said, that's a good thing to be anonymous. Now, I'm not saying you can't let it be known. I'm not, I'm not drawing lines here. I'm just saying after what Jesus said, anonymous is good. Look at how many times you underlined in secret. Okay? That's what he was talking about. Doing good things 
to be careful that you're not being seen by men is a good way to do that is don't be seen by men. Okay? Leading a ministry, I put down there, leading of any kind. That, that's a position of status in some ways, human flesh-wise. I know that kingdom is servant leadership. We know all about that. But I'm saying it's a temptation. Well, I'll be kind of a big shot if I take this over. Everybody will know who I am. Shepherding a congregation. Probably the ultimate in a congregation. These are recognized as wise men that lead us. That's hard not to want to do to be known of men. Not saying it can't be done. It's just there's the temptation there. Okay. Now, maybe as we've gone through some of these illustrations, you've seen the problem. The problem is that the big picture is easy. The big picture is easy. Don't do things to be seen of men. Do things in secret. The application is hard. Because we've got to do some things in public. And our temptation is to, well, let's make a list. Here's what a song leader can do. Here's what a guy can pray. Here's what. When you start making the list, you're just one step away from Pharisees. That's what they did, is made the list. So we can't make the list. All we can do is keep going back to the big picture and think about the inside-out righteousness. I mean, if we made a list of everything, you can only pray in your closet. Let's just outlaw, outlaw public prayers. You know, we could do that and say the only way a Christian can pray is in their closet. Okay? I could break that rule and never pray anywhere but in my closet. You could call me and say, would you like to go to lunch with me today? And I'm saying, I'm sorry, I've got the next two hours in the prayer closet. <laughs> Why did I say that? So men would know I pray a lot. So you can't make the list. You just got to individually keep going back to, to the big picture and make sure that we pay attention. Now, I've got a few tips for you and we'll go real fast here. Application tip number one. Whatever you're doing, whatever you're trying to figure out here, seek to honor God, not impress others. When you get done preaching or leading singing or leading prayer or teaching a class or, or whatever, ask yourself, how did I do? Did I honor God or did I impress men? Now, I'm not saying people can't be impressed and can't tell you they enjoyed the class and all of that. But ask yourself, make you think about it. Why am I doing this? Always try to put the emphasis on honoring God instead of impressing men. Number two tip, try to act in secret. Try to avoid public notice. You say, well, that's a little harsh, Tandy. I say, if you read those 18 verses we did and missed this, you ain't paying attention. That's why I had you underline it. What did he say about acts of righteousness? Don't do it in public. Do it in secret. Giving. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Praying. Go in a closet. Fasting. Comb your hair. Wash your face. Don't let anybody know. 
Always try to act in secret. Try to avoid public notice. Now, I understand that's not always possible, so tip number three. When your actions must be public, be careful. Be very, very careful. Where did I get that idea? What did Jesus start with? Matthew 6, verse 1. Kingdom folks in front of him, what are the first two words he said? Be careful. Be careful about what? Be careful when you do acts of righteousness. And then he gave his three examples. He tried to show us secrecy is not always possible, but be careful that you're doing it for the right reason. Next week, the circle of forgiveness. Your homework for next week. I know you usually don't have homework. This week you got some homework. Think about forgiving. And if you want, think about who you have forgiven and who you haven't forgiven. Next week's sermon will be rated mature for mature audiences, for people that want a kingdom live. Next week we'll talk about the circle of forgiveness. Lesson is yours today. If you're here and need to respond to the Lord's invitation, we're always happy to make that possible and help you put Christ on in baptism. If you need prayers of this family, we'd be happy to join you in that. Whatever your public need, let's come. Let's stand and sing.